Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. Squeezing in some NASCAR coverage this week. Jess is a little bit tied up with crazy work right now. So my buddy George has joined me. George, thank you for joining. Hey, good afternoon or good morning or good evening, depending on when and where you're listening to this. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. So we're going to just briefly do a, a short NASCAR episode here. And then for those listening, Eric Smith and I will bring back the betting episodes that we did a handful of times last year. That'll come out race day morning. So some extra NASCAR content for you. But before we talk about this coming weekend in Homestead and, and what you think, what have you thought about the first two NASCAR weekends so far? Yeah, sure. And uh, before I get into that, uh, apologies to anybody listening. If there's any uh, kind of weird background noise, I'm uh, in my car on my lunch break, currently sitting in the uh, parking lot of the best grocery chain on this planet, Publix. Um <laughs> <laughs> If you're in uh, Florida or the South for a race, uh, do yourself a favor, get a pub sub, hashtag unsponsored. Um, but it would be sweet if they would uh, give us some money. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it's, man, kind of a strange start to the season. Um, both Daytona races have kind of been lotteries in, in different ways. Um, obviously you had the rain out, so partial rain out of the 500, then the, the restart, but that race was, I, I don't want to call it a bad race per se, but right. the outcome, yeah, the, the outcome would have been a lot different if, um, you know, the Gibbs cars weren't hyper aggressive on lap 15, um, I think you can point a lot of fingers their way for turning Amarola by really aggressively bump drafting super early. You get what, like 20 cars with damage and you know, <laughs> 10 good cars immediately out of the race. So then it kind of became a parade where nobody was risking to pull out a line. Um, it's one of those things with the current package where it's really good on super speedways. If enough guys are willing to, to make that second line or third line work but you never want to be the first guy doing it um i remember chase elliott tried it a few times i think austin Dillon too and nobody went with him so you just get shuffled to the back and you lose the draft you're you're lucky to hang on to the back of the the you know single line great train going through at that point um but man it, it's nobody was willing to make a move until the backstretch of the last lap and pure chaos happens going into the, uh, I don't remember if it was between three and four, but, uh, somewhere in that last set, last set of turns, um, Keselowski looks like he's in a great spot to win it. Logano, his teammate kind of blocks him. Keselowski gets a bump and a, a bit of a push from the uh, 34 of McDowell gets into the back of his teammate. Both of them wreck pretty much everybody behind them wrecks McDowell and a couple others get through unscathed and uh, Michael McDowell gets his first cup win. Um, a lot of people were like, wow, this is such a shock. <laughs> on one hand it was on the other hand, it wasn't because he has consistently been really good on super speedways. 
and yeah, they're a small team, low budgets relative to, you know, a Penske or the aforementioned Gibbs or any of the other big teams, but they always prepare really good super speedway, um, plate where well, I guess not plate races anymore, but, uh, uh super speedway cars. What's that? Sorry. That they're, they're essentially still plate races. They just call it something different. Yeah, tapered spacers. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, we all call them plate races kind of off the cuff because that's what they're, they've always have been and always will be to <laughs> yeah. an extent. Oh, granted, they weren't always unrestricted, but uh, in recent memory for sure. But uh, yeah, so that uh, wasn't the most exciting race. Um, mildly a surprise winner. It's not a surprise that he was running well and in a good spot at the end, but. Uh, that combined with the road course race ha- has kind of put the season in a, a strange start when it comes to points and playoffs. Um, you know, spoiler alert, Christopher Bell gets his first cup win at the road course, which awesome. I guess everybody totally expected, um, you know, really good dirt and, um, <laughs> and short track race for Christopher Bell to get his first one on a road course. Um, I mean, he was strong last year and and through the ranks and uh, coming up on road courses, but nobody expected him to get the win there. A lot of the experts and other, you know, commentators and uh, media personalities expected expected him to get into the playoffs, but probably on points. So with McDowell getting getting a win, Bell getting a win, that uh, that has the the potential to really make points chaotic at the end of the regular season where, you know, the win and you're in is a guarantee, but, you know, last year you had uh, Harvick almost winning 10 races. Hamlin won what, like six or seven. Something so like- if you get a bunch of repeat winners, you're going to have a kind of a dog fight to get in um, on points. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys had bad luck or made mistakes or a combination of the two in the first two races. Um, you know, neither of the, well, I, I don't know so much about the road course, um, some small errors and bad luck happened there with the 21 of, uh, Benedetto, the Wood brothers crew, but that, uh, the damage that they got at Daytona was not their fault at all. DNF they're sitting like, like 35th in points or something like that. Um, 37. Don't quote me on that. I, I don't, yeah, what was that? 37. Yeah. Man. But like uh, consistent team last year, got in on point. Well, yeah, they had some inconsistency last year, but get in on points to the playoffs. A couple other guys like that as well, where you don't know if they're going to threaten for a win, maybe not favored to get a win, but we'll finish well enough to get in the points on a, on a quote unquote normal season. Um, and that's operating with, you're looking at the schedule and you've got Bristol on dirt and <laughs> Rick Ware might get a win having Wyndham in the car, um, which would be total, totally awesome and also chaotic for the standings. But you have a bunch of road courses. You still have the, the wild cards of Super Speedway. So super early in the season, but if you're guys like uh, Benedetto or Amarola or some of the others, even Kyle Busch had a bunch of problems in the first two races, you're starting to feel an early squeeze. And I think um, one of the guys on the teardown, I don't remember if it was a, a Glock or not, but kind of mentioned that 
you start to see a snowball effect with early pressure in the season where you're, man, I, I got to start going now as a team or a driver and you, kind of those mistakes or that pressure snowballs and all of a sudden you're well out of the points when it comes to the cut time. So I think a lot of teams got to start worrying about that without putting too much pressure on themselves and without making too many errors, especially early on. Um, that being said, with a lot of road courses, like I said, there's potential for wild card wins and also a smaller number of mulligans. Um, yeah. If, in terms of points, I, I love Bubba Wallace. I, I think the the new team and everything going on with that is is great. He's not great on road courses um, historically, and that that showed this weekend. Granted, he barely had all four fenders hanging on at the end. Um, some of that his fault, a lot of it not his. But if you can't perform well on road courses, that uh, that limits your points opportunities um, throughout the season with the with the increase in them. So. If you guys that aren't going to run well on those, you got to start looking at that. And it makes go time a little earlier um, for, for him and some others than it would be normally. I don't know what, uh, what comments you have on that, but that's kind of my, my general spiel and opinion looking at the first two races. Yeah. I, I, I don't have much to disagree on. It's just interesting to look at the standings and see William Byron down on 29th with 19 points. Like you mentioned, De Benedetto, the only two people behind him in points are David Reagan and Derek Cope, which is just, I mean, it's not necessarily De Benedetto's fault, but it's definitely embarrassing to have Quinn Hofe and Josh Balicki and James Davis in ahead of you in points, and James has only done one race. I think looking at the standings briefly the other day, it's like McMurray is ahead of a lot of guys that were in the playoffs yeah. last year, and he only ran the 500. Like, it's and it's not double points like Indianapolis. So like in IndyCar, occasionally you'll get a, a guy jump up in the standings that's doing a one-off or partial season. But it's man, there's some early holes that guys got to dig themselves out of. I will say I enjoyed the road course race a lot more than I thought I would. I agree with you on the 500. I'm not even going to waste my breath on that. The package. Really, you, you can see when a guy, I think it was Denny Hamlin in the in the 500, he tried to make a pass and he went from, and I'm, I'm estimating here, second place to like 13th place in, in, at one point. And, it, and, it, and he, not, he never really recovered from that. And I, that just to mm -hmm. me is a total buzzkill. The road course was a lot of fun. I still don't like stages on road courses and I don't think you're going to be able to change <laughs> my opinion on that because... and. It, it it bunches the guys back up, but a lot you know, all the MNC is just guys diving in the grass and blowing up their cars. I want to see battles on track, and you start to see that. Then all of a sudden, up oh, it's stage break again, and thankfully the stage breaks weren't too terribly long. They're definitely better than IMSA's caution issues that we saw with the Rolex Twenty Four this year. So I'll just leave it at that. And I did want to give a shout out to. Ben Rhodes, who won both of the truck races to start the year, and Austin Sindrick, who held on for second place with like two thirds of a car. Half a car. <laughs> yeah, half a car, and Ty Gibbs for getting his first win. So we'll round it out with a little Homestead discussion. Homestead is Sunday. I don't think there's practice or qualifying again this weekend. Correct. Yeah, thank you. I was trying to pull it up and couldn't couldn't pull it up quick enough. So. 
they'll, they'll you know, do the random draw again. So I don't think as of now we have the order. It's only Wednesday, so. Yeah, well, two just quick things. Um, it's not a random draw, even though it seems that way sometimes. It's this matrix grid system that they use. Um, it's convoluted to explain, but it is what it is. I think I saw it come out about 15 minutes ago, but I didn't have a chance to take a look at it. Okay. Um, but essentially the formula is something like fastest lap starting and finishing position of the last race and owner points or some combination therein. Um, so it's, it would be better for, uh, De Benedetto, for example, to have a random draw <laughs> because he's finishing or he's starting near the back of the grid, if not at the back. Yes. Uh, so I have, I have better luck with a random draw. <laughs> I have the list in front of me to Benedetto starting 37th. I'll just run through the top five here. Hamlin, Logano, Bell, Harvick, Bush, Michael McDowell is sixth. The aforementioned Bubba Wallace is 19th. Anybody else stand out here? James Davison, 29th. William Byron, 31st. So, yeah. Anyway, Homestead is one of these lovely. It's not quite a mile and a half, is it? Um, I think it is, but it's probably the only one on the schedule that I would call actually decent. <laughs> yeah, there might be yeah. one or two others, but of the quote-unquote intermediates, um, most of them are cookie cutters. Homestead isn't, so you can see some good racing there. Um, I'm, I'm frankly not sure what package they're using this year at that specific circuit. But for the intermediate tracks, it's one of the better ones. Yeah, I'm sorry. It is 1.5 miles. For some reason, I, 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 I'm thinking of something else. I don't know what track. But, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily mind the races here versus some of the other. Like Atlanta, I don't think has produced a good race in a while. And that's in the next few weeks. Might even be next, next weekend. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head here. But it was also developed by the one of the founders of the indianapolis motor speedway carl fisher so that's kind of interesting if i'm reading that correctly yep it was similar to a miami beach track developed by carl fisher sorry i am i am reading on the fly here and it's uh it's not working so well so i gotcha i've got uh one quick note um yeah just to follow up on your comment uh on the on the nascar and road courses and yellows yeah i'm not going to be the first one to come up with this genius idea um i've seen plenty of other people <laughs> more intelligent than myself comment on it but stages is, stages are fine just end them under green that- greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you the information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. 
Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. That way you can actually have strategy play out instead of the forced yellows. Um, the, the forced yellows at the end of stages on road courses, plus NASCAR's refusal to go to local yellows, is definitely a talking point and one to look out for with uh, the increased number of those events this year. Fix that, I think you got a better product on track because, I mean, it's it's very entertaining watching these heavy stock cars run on circuits they're not designed to run on. Um, so I think with those little fixes, uh, the quality of the show will definitely go up. But let's face it, compared to uh, some of the other series that run heavily on road uh, courses and street courses, NASCAR is more about the entertainment factor. So you'll have people argue for those yellows at stage breaks to bunch things up. Now, when that happens and you get a yellow there or like the mildly phantom yellow for rain in Daytona, you're going to have guys like, uh, you know, Elliot and Truex kind of get screwed being on the prime strategy. So it's, it's another element of entertainment and chaos from that standpoint. Um, I'd argue that you need to get rid of them, but you know, if you're a random fan tuning in, you know, it stacks the field back up and can uh, potentially end up in a, a I don't want to say a strange winner, but an unexpected winner like Christopher Bell. And <laughs> like, uh, I think Keselowski uh, had a, totally chaotic race so did a uh, kurt bush yep and they end up in the top five at the end just because of how the yellows fell um both those that were forced and those that uh that were unexpected yeah very very fair point there so let's round it out here with your prediction for the let's let's go with the podium and just before we get there your you were right. The metric for the 2021 starting position is 25% driver's finishing position from the previous race, 25% car owner finishing position from the previous race, 35% team owner points ranking, 15% fastest lap. Nothing is easy in NASCAR. <laughs> now. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll let you go first on your predictions. Oh, boy. Let's see here. <laughs> it gives me time to think. Yeah, I know. I should have seen that coming. Let's let's see here. I'm going to go off the wall here because it's 2021. We've seen two brand new winners in the first two races. Let's keep that going. Alex Bowman, 13th, is going to finish third. Martin Truex is going to finish second, and we're going to have a first-time winner and a guy who's Quietly had two good races this year in Cole Custer. 
interesting pick. Yes, I know there's no scientific evidence behind why I'm making that selection in, in that order other than because I want to. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, in recent memory, and this is off the top of my head, like I said, I'm in a parking lot, so I'm not looking at uh, former race results, but it seems like Gibbs and Stuart Haas seem to be really good at Homestead. Um, Hendrick had a improved mile and a half program last year for sure, but I'm going to go P1 Shrub. Um, I know some people hate that nickname, but he's Little Bush. What do you call Little Bush? A shrub. Uh, <laughs> with uh, Kyle Bush in the 18, um, getting his first one of the year. Rough season last year, ended up with one win, but has a new crew chief. Some bad luck in the first two uh, events, but those Gib car Gibbs cars are good. He's good at Homestead, so I think he takes a checker. Uh, I'm going to go a different newcomer to finish P2. Um, let's go with Chase Briscoe. I think he's got Dixie Vodka on board for this race, which is the title sponsor of the event, if I'm not mistaken. So let's go with some marketing activation there, finishing P2. Right. He was really good on these sorts of circuits last year in uh, the Bush series, uh, Xfinity. Um, so I think he has a strong finish. And third, I think I'll agree with uh, Bowman. Alrighty. Wow. Nobody ever agrees with me on picks. That's that's usually a bad sign. My, yeah, sorry, Alex, in advance. <laughs> yeah, because I picked I picked him before the year when I think when we did our like our live chat before the 500. I said, "Oh, look out for Alex this year," and I've been talking about it in groups. I said, "Alex is the one to to root for." I think he's a good dude and and is prime for a good year in the 48 car and. I think he got taken out in a wreck in, in the 500, so it wasn't really his fault. And then didn't particularly have the most exciting race last weekend. And I don't think that was necessarily any fault of his own. But anyway, we'll wrap it up there. Guys, the race is Sunday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. So again, we will not have a noon start. I'm sorry, 3.30 p.m. Eastern. And the Xfinity race is Saturday at 4.30 Eastern. So on 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 big box. Yeah, uh, Santino uh, Ferrucci will be making his first Xfinity start of the year on oh. Saturday. So uh, with owner points, he's got a decent uh, kind of midfield starting position. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in a stock car. Yeah, uh, I will make sure to post about that on social media to see how he does. But anyway, George, thank you for taking some time out as we hear some car <laughs> horns in the, in the background right at the very end here. Anyway, thank you, sir. Have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you again soon. Appreciate you taking the time. Stay awesome. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.